0: You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com.
1: Now, here's the OTI guys. Welcome back to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Myself, Colin Kelly here, bringing you another show, another step closer to the NFL regular season. We have officially hit preseason with uh, the Hall of Fame game taking place Last night, uh, the Steelers playing against the Vikings and, uh, well, not much to get excited about in it, but at least it was some football back on our screens. And from now all the way to the Super Bowl, we should have games each and every Sunday live on our televisions for our viewing pleasure. So looking forward to all those coming up in the next few weeks. Also very excited about today's show. Our guest on the show is going to be Carl Safchek of DynastyLeagueFootball.com. We're going to talk all things fantasy football, from redraft to dynasty and uh, everything in between, I guess. Uh, Really looking forward to having Karen on the show. We had him on a few weeks back. And later in the show, I'll go through some of the uh, NFL news of the last few days and uh, other little tidbits and uh, pieces from from the NFL. So, as always, starting the show, thanks for listening to the show. Hopefully, uh, you'll enjoy it. If it's your first time listening, hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Come back every week, download the show and uh, hopefully you'll be here for the long term and uh, obviously give us a written or a comment on those uh, platforms. really helps move us up the uh, rankings there for sports podcasts, particularly in the NFL. So rather than me uh, ramble on as I do sometimes at the start of the show for a couple of minutes, I'm going to leave it at that and uh, we'll get carried into the OTI Red Zone to talk fantasy football straight away and then I'll be back after this. The OTI Red Zone, presented by OvertimeIreland.com Joining me back on the show now is Carl Safchek of DynastyLeagueFootball.com. A lot of you'll know him too from the, the DFL podcast, or the DLF podcast. Sorry, Carol. That's all right. It's, uh, it's great to have you back on the show.
0: Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is great to be back.
1: Uh, when we had you on, uh, that's probably about maybe three months back, it was just uh, around the time of the NFL draft, we are starting to look at some of the prospects coming up in rookie drafts for Dynasty League. There'll be a lot of people uh, listening to the show who probably... Haven't played Dynasty, maybe don't even know what Dynasty uh, football is compared to redraft. But everyone at this stage kind of knows the standard redraft league, where you meet up with your buds in the you know around August, uh, the end of August after the the start of preseason, do your draft, maybe uh, ten team, twelve team, pick your pick your players, and uh, go from there. And just kind of you just keep your team for the year, and you go for the waiver wire. Uh, you don't see too many trades going down in that scenario. But in redraft, you uh, get your team, you start off year one draft or your whole draft, similar to the redraft, but it'll go on a, a number of rounds longer. Come along then with uh, your rookie draft the following year. But the difference is you keep all the players uh, each year. So, Carl, for any of the ones listening that haven't heard him on the show before or haven't been to their website, uh, he's he is uh, kind of one of the, we'll call him a dynasty league expert. and He goes through... ...with his rankings and so on on the site, so it's, it's a very good place to start off if you're going for Dynasty. But just for the people not listening, uh, maybe we'll give them three reasons as to why uh, Dynasty League football is better than uh, redraft football.
0: Well, yeah, it's definitely better for the degenerates, better for the people that, <laughs> that love to play because it goes year round. I mean, there's people are trading when, when the Super Bowl is done being played. I mean, there's still trades going on and people prepping for rookie drafts. So if, if you really, really love fantasy football, it's, it's definitely the format to get into at least get into one league. So you and your buddies have something to talk about during the off season, um, and and you definitely encapsulated what what dynasty is it's you know you keep your your team from year to year um but you know it it doesn't it's it's more exciting in my mind because you have enough to talk about and as I mentioned, there's trades during the off season so while, you know, you might think, well, you're going to get sick of your team. Well, you really don't because your team does change through trades and through rookie drafts and all that. So it, it's definitely an exciting format and, and,
1: and, it's, and it's growing for sure. Yeah, last summer uh, we set up an overtime Ireland dynasty league. And when we set it up uh, in our first draft, I took players like uh, Michael Crabtree last year around this time was a player with a lot of buzz behind him. Giovanni Bernard, a player we're going to talk about later who I still like quite highly on another draft this year and drafted him much later but last year we had no Jeremy Hill to contend with so there's players uh, gain value, maybe lose value maybe, you know, you liked him last year but you couldn't spend the the capital in the draft that you wanted and he's dropped down a bit in stock so you might, uh, you know offer a player maybe that's at the similar value now and get him and he, you know who knows he might have a, a big bounce back and that's the kind of thing that you're doing it's a bit like being a, a gm off a team in the in the yes. nfl but the unfortunate thing carl is uh as I'm sure you know, uh, as you might have a team like the the New England Patriots or like the Seattle Seahawks, the Green Bay Packers, who look stacked at uh, you know at one point or another for a number of years. But you might also have a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Oakland Raiders, and that's the the part where you have to decide: uh, do you start trading away your best players to try and restock and redevelop for the future? And often that's a, a tough call to make.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's and for some people, that's part of the fun is rebuilding their team. And I mean, I personally like winning. I don't want to be rebuilding, but I've taken over a team or two before that was really bad. And I just get to trade it away for future draft picks, which is, you know, it's not fun during the season because you're losing, but during the off season, you're trading for all these young players and, doing research into who the next great rookies are going to be and you get to draft this young team and watch it blossom and get better so yeah i mean part of the fun for some people is the rebuilding and and as you mentioned there's there's definitely the these different uh spectrums of what teams are there's really great teams in your league and there's and there's rebuilding teams and as you mentioned that resembles what the nfl is and it is much like being an nfl
1: gm yeah and when you you think about it too you dive so deep into it i done another draft this year um and it's a 16 team league so you know that there's not much left after the draft's over on the waiver wire and that that you go really really deep into it you know players then go down like arian foster and you know you hear people a lot of people listening to nfl shows over the last week or two will be wondering who's this chris polk guy or you know who's alfred blue but (laughs) when you're when you're playing dynasty league football you know these guys and you're trying yeah. to decide um even with foster's injury history is this a player i go and try and pick up now could he be good in three or four years time that's the sort of thing you're looking to if you're rebuilding a team or keeping a team going so it's interesting like that to try and have the balance right of old and young and then after the nfl draft where these players line up and do you like the situation and so on and so forth it, it's just uh, all year round and it really. Sometimes it takes over what you're doing on your daily basis, trying to figure out kind <laughs> of make this trade happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head there for sure.
1: Um, just when I'm on about trades, we have a, a question on Twitter, and it is from Phil Phillips, and he's part of one of our overtime Ireland leagues here, uh, Dynasty leagues, and he's wondering about shaking up the trade market. Sometimes it's hard to get people to go from the the redraft mindset to Mm. dynasty league so a lot of people think i can't you know there's not much trading going on and and redraft you're trying to stick to your team i drafted this team i don't want to trade anybody away but you know when you're looking at dynasty football everyone has a price whether you are uh, trying to get a team to win or you're trying to get a team to rebuild because if the offer comes in that blows you away you're kind of probably going to have to accept it as well if the the player you know if you think he can get more in return so how do you think you could shake up a trade market in a, a league uh, that has, over the last few years, maybe stagnated in the trade market?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, one of the big things is just getting the right people in your leagues to begin with. And I know that's tough because you want to be in with your buddies, but hopefully your friends are um, dynasty degenerates like like we are, obviously, um, and and then you know sending out offers yourself that just keeping the league going by by making the offers yourself and and trying to get creative with those offers seeing what that team might need cuz it's always it's always good to know that you're trying to benefit their team as well um a, a lot of times people will just m- make a trade offer like if a team's stacked with running backs well you don't want to necessarily offer your running back for their only good wide receiver they're obviously not looking for that so you want to be uh, cognizant of what other teams need when uh making a trade offer
1: there's there is always as well i find in some of the leagues that i'm in that you know you might put in a trade offer and when you're starting off trade negotiations you're going to put in something reasonable but probably you're going to try and get a little bit of extra value for yourself if somebody is willing to accept that offer but a lot of the time you'll just get back uh, declined rather than you know a counter as to I, I might accept it if you add in this piece or add in this pick and sometimes it's hard to get that there discussion going when You know, if it's a friend of yours that you can call on the phone and talk to them. It's great with Twitter now because you can DM people and talk to them that way. But it can be hard sometimes just to get that extra little bit of... Because the the trade might be pretty close, but just getting it over the line can be the hardest part.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And especially when, you know, a lot of your friends, if if y'all are talking, then you probably have similar mindsets of, of what these players are. I know that happens with guys that i hang out yes. with that you know we end up liking all the same players because we see the same things and talk about the same things. so it it's tough to to find common ground but when you do i mean trades are trades are one of the funnest part of fantasy football obviously when you get new
1: players on your team get that new blood back to uh, the redraft league now obviously we all know i mentioned earlier And Ar- foster getting injured for the houston texans likely out eight to ten weeks of the season so you know, for the for the near future anyway, and basically for your whole fantasy football season he's going to be missing, um, there's a, kind of a couple of running backs down there now. There's been word of them trying to take maybe somebody in off the free agent market, but hasn't uh, happened as of yet. Is there any other running backs down there that you particularly like?
0: Well, I'm definitely not interested in Alfred Blue. I mean, he was just terrible last yeah, year. And, yeah, so I'm not interested in him. I mean, in a really deep league, I'll look at Chris Polk and Jonathan Grimes. But from a redraft standpoint, I'm pretty much just staying away from that whole backfield. Uh, I might gamble on Arian Falser later in the draft because I have heard conflicting reports that he might be only out for a few weeks rather than 8 to 10, but I, I have heard that report as well, so I don't know which one is, is definitely true yet, and I don't know if anybody knows which, which report is true because you know it, people heal at different rates, obviously. Um, but that's just a, probably a running back situation I'm staying away from. If they were to have signed... Pierre Thomas, I might have been a little more interested, but uh, with Alfred Blue it being in the mix and Chris Polk being injured, and I mean, really, Jonathan Grimes is probably the guy that I'd be putting my money on, but it would have to be extremely late in a deep draft.
1: You mentioned there as well about, you know, if it was eight to tw- ten weeks, say, just, we'll just put it that he is back week ten, would you still consider drafting him in redraft, or would you rather let somebody else take that chance? I know last year the situation was rather it was different it was because of suspension but uh, josh garden was coming back i think it was week 10 last season around that time and people were drafting him later in the drafts and you know situations like that i'm not worried about getting to week 10 and having a player coming back i'd rather be heading towards the playoffs when i get to week 10 do you uh, have a similar mindset or would you still attempt to to draft somebody like that later in the draft
0: yeah, I mean, if I knew that he definitely wasn't coming back until week 10, then it would be tough for me to draft him, and he would probably go before I would be willing to yeah. draft him. Um, but, I mean, if it was like the last pick in my draft and I had a roster spot that I could burn, then, I mean, he's definitely a guy that could win you a championship if you plug him in as your RB, you know, essentially what, what would be your probably your RB3 at that point because you probably drafted two guys above him, at least, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it would look that way now, you know, and... Drafts at the moment, even and mock drafts that it, that is going on. I've done a couple of them online, and you know he's really obviously dramatically dropped. But he's still not much further down than the guys we mentioned, like Alfred Blue and so on. But he's down there around the you know the tenth to twelfth round, and it's just not something that I, I'm likely to spend on. But uh, it's just another reason as well you know some people like to do you know mfl 10s and that get your drafts in early and people like to draft before the start of preseason. season i know you can never rule out the possibility of an injury we know last year adrian peterson what happened with him after he was drafted high but man if you took uh arian foster in the first round over the last couple of weeks it's it's bound to be tough
0: yeah absolutely and there's there's i have a couple buddies that we've done some drafts recently and i mean even one guy a, a buddy of mine did a did it did two drafts one one the night before and one the morning of and took Arian Foster in both and then the news came out uh, that that's just devastating for your team obviously
1: yeah well obviously there's still a chance to come back from it but uh, it does make it a hell of a lot tougher there's a, a number of uh, ADP values that you know I've been looking at in drafts trying to get down there towards your your flex positions and uh, onto your bench just in standard redraft leagues and there's a couple of names that I think are uh, going very very late and one of them that i've taken in a couple of my dynasty teams and a player that uh, i still have a, a lot of hope for he had a good rookie season and then although his stats were similar last year he didn't get the touchdowns and that's down in san diego Keenan allen he's going around the 50th player drafted uh, you can get him you can get him quite late in some leagues down around you know the, the seventh round or so is he a player that you think uh, has been slightly undervalued this season
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Keenan Allen had a great rookie year and then just struggled to really put all the stats together last year. But a lot of people, when Antonio Gates got hit with that four-game suspension, everybody ran to get, uh, um, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Ladarius Green. And uh, a lot of those targets will probably go right back to Keenan Allen. And as you mentioned, Stevie Johnson's there as well, and and he's a guy that you could probably get out of value pretty late. But, yeah, uh, you mentioned it. Keenan Allen is, is, is a great target in like the middle like i don't know what, you, what where have you seen him going like fifth roundish or yeah, I've a, done a
1: couple of sixth rounds uh, nearly every league he's been there in the sixth and some leagues that i haven't taken him in the sixth i even got him in the seventh but it just seems to be a player that nobody's really everyone's going for the shiny new objects it's a kind of area where there's a lot of rookies going at that stage and a lot of people jumping aboard the the rookie hype trains i think
0: yeah and you mentioned uh, that's a phrase that i always use on on the show is is We suffer from the shiny new object syndrome, and (laughs) players like like Keenan Allen, who's just entering his third year, which might have been a shiny new object five, five, six years ago, but now it's like everybody wants the rookie or the the next big sophomore, the Mike Evans, the the Brandon Cooks, and that makes players like Keenan Allen, who might be viewed as, I don't know, boring, I don't know why you would view him as boring, but... that makes players like that a value and if you really want to win and not just build the quote unquote sexy roster then you're you're going to love players like Keenan Allen because they're probably going to put up more points than the other players going around his ADP.
1: He's a player I mentioned the stat lines like it was very similar last year compared to you know his targets catches and uh, yards it was just that he didn't get in the end zone as much as he did the season prior and obviously in the, the first year he was there people maybe didn't uh, scheme as much towards him as he was a rookie and now looking more towards him last season but I'm expecting a nice year from him I think he's a bit of a, a value there and you know when you think of him going into his third year a lot of players uh, at the wide receiver position it does take that second or third year for them to really start to, to click into it. the thing off the rookies doing so well is kind of Keenan Allen come in and done it and there was a couple of players be, before him that came in and straight off the bat were great and then last year again so I think people are just expecting that from rookies and so it just takes a little bit of time for the game to develop there and when we're on that there point do you think that because of how good the uh, rookies done last season that that's pushing the adp if a lot of rookies up this year people expecting that that similar thing to happen again
0: yeah absolutely especially in redraft they're probably just going way too early i mean amari cooper and i i really like this crop of rookies i mean amari cooper looks like he's going to be a great receiver yeah. i'm a big fan of Devonte parker I've, t- I've talked about philip dorsett to no end but <laughs> <laughs> but Yes, the, the, the expectations for these guys is way too high given what we know what normally what rookie wide receivers do. So if you're doing redraft, obviously, just specifically redraft, then I would stay away from the rookie wide receivers, at least at what their current ADP is right now. Um, I got a few, I, I did a redraft a couple of days ago uh, at the SiriusXM XM Studios in D.C., and it was like a quote-unquote experts draft. So actually the rookies dr- dropped farther than they normally do. So I got Devin Funches pretty late. I got Brashad Perriman pretty late, Devontae Parker, um, which I wouldn't normally do. But again, this is because they dropped so far. Normally in drafts that I'm seeing in NFL 10s and stuff like that, yes, they are going a bit early.
1: Yeah, and you know – if they go to a certain point you're obviously going to t- to jump aboard and take them but my my kind of plan this year is to let other people take chances on the rookies and I'm going to go for the kind of guys that hopefully have uh, you know made their time in the league and are, are ready to rock and roll even the older guys moving on to another two that I have here will have three at the wide receiver position but uh, they're all kind of either older or bounce back candidates and I have uh, Marcus Coulson, Larry Fitzgerald and Pierre Garçon and I know Garçon's comes a lot down to how the quarterback situation there does but Coulson's a player who you know, even in his worst season in the league, and last year he did tie it with uh, touchdowns, his lowest uh, touchdown total in a year's five. He's always up around that 1,000-yard reception, uh, yards for receptions. And he, he is getting older, but, you know, you look at the pieces that have moved around down there in, in New Orleans. Somebody has to catch the ball this season. There's a lot of talk about Cooks, but, you know, the steady head, head there and uh, Marcus Coulson could be in for uh, just a, a nice season. I'm not expecting, you know, big but uh, wide receiver tree numbers, maybe.
0: Uh, that's possible. I think Marcus Colston's on the wrong side of his career, but he is in New Orleans. He is going to be catching balls from Drew Brees. They are going to pass at least more than the average NFL team. And I think Brandon Cooks is being a little overvalued, to be honest. So Colston's a good uh a good late round target i guess i i haven't been targeting him but i can see the point uh larry fitzgerald as you mentioned he's being overlooked tremendously i mean he's he's one of the best wide receivers in the league we just don't remember that because he hasn't had a real quarterback in so long
1: and i think as well he is getting he is getting up there in years but i think it's is it 31 that he is at the right now i I believe so yes it's It's not like he's you know needs a walking stick to get around Correct. Yeah, he's
0: not he's not as old as Jerry Rice is right now. So, um, but yeah, he, and he's a fine target as well. And I think people are, or at least were, irrationally high on Michael Floyd last year. I was one of them. I fell into that. I, I took the bait on too. Michael Floyd, <laughs> and then and then John Brown. He's starting to to be like one of those hype train candidates. Yeah. Uh, he was definitely being overlooked earlier this this preseason, but. The, the ball's got rolling, and he's got some steam, so his ADP's probably a little high, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Fitzgerald could could end up getting a lot of targets in that offense.
1: Yeah, Fitzgerald's going around, almost around the 100th overall pick, so that, that is very far down when you go with uh, his production over the last few years. And I mentioned Colson, 119th. On the running back situation, uh, Chris Ivory of the Jets... Um we don't have to get into it in too much depth, but I think that he's a player that is looking like he's going to be the lead back there, and he's going 77th overall in most drafts. Uh, I, think, I think there could be a bit of value there when you're looking at maybe, if you go receiver early in the draft, looking at that mid-range uh, running back.
0: I agree. I really like Chris Ivory. I, I like to been last... in a
1: couple of dynasty leagues recently, but to no success. <laughs> um, I, I, I wish he would have got more volume
0: last year. I thought he was far superior to uh, Chris Johnson. Yeah. And he just didn't get enough carries. Hopefully, Todd Bowles and Chan Gailey fix that and and give him the carries. And I I think that whole offense is going to surprise people. I mean, Decker and Marshall are great wide receivers. I think Geno Smith's underrated. Um, if if they can put that all together, I mean, Jay Samaro at the tight end position and, and Chris Ivory at the running
1: back position, I think that that whole offense could be a value. Yeah, Geno's problems definitely uh, consistency. He does have the. The tendency to make some incredibly bad decisions But you know another year You know he he was thrown in as a rookie and he had a tough time and then the situation with Michael Vick last year and there was one of the games last year against the Miami Dolphins I think he made only true it six or seven times Rex Ryan just uh, ran the ball the whole game so he's he's had his uh, a very bumpy ride the Geno Coaster you know I've heard it described as but you know I think he had a couple of games last year where he did look uh, quite good and he he finished the season quite well so he could be a player that could have a a good year this year and he's got good targets now and Decker you know I think he has better option as the second wide receiver in a team I think he'll get good targets and I think he could have a good season as well when you're looking at those later uh wide receivers uh G- giovanni bernard and jeremy hill it's the 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 cincinnati backfield and both in their own right very talented i think uh giovanni bernard much better uh pass catching option rather than just as your standard running back but i think together as a, a duo they link very well but giovanni bernard going uh almost around uh, the 70 range mark uh, in drafts and then uh, jeremy hill a lot of drafts going in the first round or early second uh, your thoughts on the the backfield situation in uh cincinnati
0: yeah, I'm a, I'm still a fan of Giovanni Bernard, and and I I actually, a lot of people like to make fun of me. I still have him ranked as my running back seven in Dynasty, and I know you're asking about redraft, uh, but I, I just like to bet on talent, and I think that he's a talented guy. I was talking about this on Twitter today with guys like Jarek McKinnon, who we perceive as being stuck behind Adrian Peterson, and Sammy Watkins, who's a, in a really bad quarterback situation in Buffalo, and then Giovanni Bernard, who I think is talented, but... I never really viewed him as a lead guy. Anyway, he's a guy that's going to put up big numbers on 15 to 18 touches a game, and I will always bet on talent because the talent t- talented players always succeed, or at least most of the time they do. The, you heard the phrase, "the cream rises to the top." Yeah. I'm I'm I took Geo as my running back three in that in that expert draft that I that I was just telling you about. Um, so I really love the value. I'd rather have Gio at his ADP than Jeremy Hill at his ADP. I mean I I'll, I'll take I'd rather take uh, Demarco Murray or like Calvin Johnson over Jeremy Hill at the end of the first round. And then
1: Geo, as you mentioned, is falling to, what, the fifth or sixth rounds? I mean, I, I think that's a huge value. Yeah, when you think about, uh, you know, this time last year, Gio was in the situation that Jeremy Hill's in now. He was the guy going in the, you know, the top 20 picks, being drafted very early as a, as a first-choice running back. Now, as you mentioned, you can get him as your third running back, maybe play him as a flex play there. So there's definitely value to be had. And, you know, Jeremy Hill come in. We have seen a lot of players, same as rookie wide receivers, having big years last year and then just not having it all click together, not all fall into place them in their second and third years so we'll see how hell goes he's a player uh, that i haven't really been targeting in drafts he's never really around for i'm picking if you're picking in those top six picks i don't think uh, i would take him up that high and then when it comes back around he's usually gone so uh, two two very talented running backs but i think the the value could be in in geo Vanny bernard particularly if you're in a, a ppr league at that but uh a thing that has been uh, winding me up a little bit on the internet and listening to different podcasts <laughs> recently is uh, talking about you know a player and saying yeah, I wouldn't take him early in the first round, but uh, you know I would take him late in the first round. But the problem a lot of people have is you have one first round pick, and if it's a player you particularly like, uh, a lot of people say, oh that's a crazy pick there. Or if you're doing a mock draft, somebody in the chat room will say oh somebody team four has ruined the draft by taking say Gronk uh, up there but if it's a player that you really like uh, do you have an issue with taking them super high or uh, your thoughts overall on a situation like that
0: no I don't I you got to get who you're going to get especially if you're early in the first round you're not going to have another pick until late in the second so you got to pick who you think is going to be the best player I've I've gone unconventional as taking uh OBJ First overall in one MFL 10, right. like really early in the off offseason. Uh, I've taken DeMarco Murray really high in the first round. I, you have to pick who you think is going to have the best season, or else you're not going to get them
1: because you know but i have seen it a lot where there's been kind of backlash of who's picked where and it's going to ruin the draft but when you're in a, a draft then a proper draft with your if it's your buddies or if it's online with the people you don't even know there's gonna be people as you say people are going to jump up and take guys like odell beckham people want to take the players you like i always say if i'm having a fantasy team i want to win but at the same time i don't want to be having people on my team that i really don't like and trying to support right. a person i don't like so it's more about getting a, a balance of who you like and who are the talented players and you know, in the first round, I've seen a lot of people taking Gronk early and people saying that that's ruined the draft. But, you know, if you want to take them that high, uh, I really have no bones with it. But it's just a, a little kind of thing that's been maybe grinding my gears, we'll say, over the last few weeks. But uh, I don't
0: I don't see how that would be ruining the draft, though. I mean, Gronk has he, he would basically be a high end wide receiver if yeah, he were I, a wide receiver I mean, and he has definitely. tight end eligibility. So yeah. I, 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 that's that's one that I don't understand why anybody would criticize.
1: Um, Just looking at, uh, you know, everyone's going to have different strategies for the draft, whether it be uh, wide receivers in the first two rounds, whether it's running back, running back, or a mixture of both. The one thing when I said there about Gronk going early, I think you really do need to do your mock drafts before it, because if you take a a tight end that early, take a quarterback that early, uh, even if you go back-to-back at uh, wide receiver, you need to be sure that you're going to be happy with what falls to you later in the draft and how your team team, uh, finishes up overall. And just on the situation of... uh, tight end sorry when you're looking at players it's kind of the consensus is Gronk is the first then Graham then either Olsen or Kelsey either way after that there uh, would you agree with that list would you I think Graham there's a lot of talk been made of Graham not being as good because he's going to be in Seattle with the Seahawks but I think that he's obviously their best target again and he's going to get opportunities to, to make plays and particularly in the red zone do you think that he's been maybe pushed down a little bit too much yeah, I think that he's
0: being overlooked at this point. He, th- they're going to throw him the ball. I did a a big study oh. on on what I think Graham will do in uh in in Seattle, and I'll, I'll tweet it out to you after the show. You can check it out if you want to. Um, Basically, I think that, at least in the long term, the situation in Seattle is going to be better for Graham than it would have been in New Orleans in the long term. Now, for 2015, he might have a little bit of regression, but I still think he's clearly the second-best tight end. And I think one guy being overlooked in the top five is uh julius thomas i think that he's actually going to get a lot more opportunity in jacksonville than he got in denver he was used as an inline blocker in denver more than what people realize and he was competing for targets with uh uh demarius thomas and previous years eric decker and then this past year emmanuel sanders um now he's going to be like a main target in jacksonville so i think that he's still going to be in that top five of tight ends
1: I actually uh, had a question that I was going to come up with later in the show, and I was wondering about Julius Thomas and whatever aggression, but obviously you've, you've answered that right there. But uh, another player with a lot of hype this off season again, and had it last year, and he did produce last year, but it's uh, Travis Kelsey. And we all know that the, the Chiefs had no wide receivers to score touchdowns last year and the, the situation there. Do you think that maybe he's been pushed up a little bit too much because he mightn't get as much of the ball this season in, in Kansas City? Well, I
0: think that he's one of those hype train type guys too and. And look, he's going to be a great player, and he already is in his own right. I just think that there's a little bit too much,
1: um, a little bit too much being being made of him. The first and second round overall uh, going to the first, maybe five picks of a redraft league, maybe even uh, the top running backs. You have a lot of people. You know, it's a mixture really at the top between uh, Eddie Lacy, Adrian Peterson, and Le'Veon Bell. Even with Bell's suspension being reduced, who do you? Uh, have as your first overall player if you're going running back or you mentioned taking OBJ and a mfl ten, maybe you go wide receiver or, or Gronk at that stage. I
0: you know what? This might sound crazy to you. I would probably take DeMarco Murray. I think that he is high on Murray. Yeah. I think he's one of the most talented running backs in the league. I it would be I would pick Le'Veon Bell if if he wasn't going to be suspended for the first couple games. It, it, I think that Murray is still in a great situation. Yes, I know Sproles is there. I know Matthews is there. But I think Murray is just too talented to be passing up. The The Eagles ran the ball the seventh most times in the NFL last year. And I, I actually see that going up. So I think that there's going to be plenty of carries to be had. So Murray is uh, – he might not have the ceiling that Bell or Charles has. but and, and those would be the next two for me. Peterson would probably be fourth or fifth on my list for running backs – um, and it would be tough to pass on Charles, too, because I think he's going to have a huge year. But it, in the first round, I, I know people say you can't win your draft in the first round, but you can lose it. And I don't know if I totally agree with that, but I don't th- think you're losing your draft with DeMarco Murray. I think you're cementing yourself a top five running back, and then you can look for upside later in the draft.
1: Yeah, it's a name that I, I wouldn't really have went as high. And I haven't seen, I, a lot of the time he's but he's not there when you get back, as I mentioned earlier, to that second round pick. He's gone anyway, so if you really want him, you have to take him with that first pick. A player that I've been drafting fourth in a lot of leagues, and you you mentioned about taking the maybe a safe option or t- not trying to lose your draft but i've been taking uh, Marshawn lynch in a lot of leagues and overly it's not a player that i'm all that set on this season he is older and he's but he, he's uh, producing every single season i don't think he'll have the touchdowns this year that he had last year i mentioned graham coming in on the red zone so it's a uh, it's a pick that i'm making but out of the picks at the top compared to other years where there was a, a real strong consensus uh I would like to get Lacey. He's not ever fallen to four or two, in any of the drafts I'm doing. So, overall, um, Marshawn Lynch, do you think that uh, Charles would be the pick there uh, at four, or, or do you still think uh, Lynch could have a, a big year this year?
0: I think Lynch will have a fine year. I'd be more comfortable taking him in the late first of redrafts. Mm. Uh, like I said, I'd, I'd probably go Murray, Charles, Bell. Um, AP would be up there, but he's always going before I pick. Um, and as you mentioned, Gronk has... Good reason to be drafted high in the first, I think, or at least in the first. I got him in the second round in a couple of leagues recently. Um but yeah, Lynch is up there too. Lynch would probably, like I said, I'd feel more comfortable taking him in the mid to late first, though.
1: Yeah, it's a, and you know when you mentioned the Gronk uh, thing again, and you, you know the wide receivers that are available, there isn't just that. You know, I really need to get that wide or running back. So I think you know there's the wide receiver position could be taken a little bit earlier in the first round this year. We talked about the uh, tight ends a little bit, and you know the depth. I think there is more depth this year than. What there has been for years, but the thing is, is picking the guys that are really going to step out. I think there's a list of kind of six or seven guys that might get into that top four, top five tight ends. But at the same time, there's a chance as well that they could absolutely stink this season. But guys like uh, Kyle Rudolph, Zach Ertz, uh, Tyler Eiferts, the kind of forgotten man in Cincinnati delaney walker is usually standard enough uh, gets his gets his yards and gets a couple of touchdowns and jordan cameron has the concussion issues but uh, he's been there as well um what's your thoughts on those kind of guys and somebody as well forgotten about in a lot of things is uh, vernon davis he might have a bounce back but uh, last year was uh, very poor from him
0: yeah last year was pretty bad for vernon davis and and if i'm not getting gronk Or if I'm not getting Gronk in the first or Jimmy Graham in, like, the third, I'm probably going to be looking at a lot of those guys that you just mentioned. I'll wait until, you know, the 10th, 11th round to get some of these guys. I think Tyler Eifert's in for a huge year. Zach Ertz, I think, is really, really talented, but they spread the ball around so much in in Philly. So it it is. It's tough. Um, But if if for the right value, I would love to have Zach Ertz. Uh, Kyle Rudolph looked pretty good yesterday in the the Hall of Fame game. So... Yeah, a lot of those guys hold hold some value pretty late and, and they're usually – those are the type of guys that I'm targeting because I'm usually not getting Gronk or Graham. Uh,
1: so I'll, I'll wait. If I don't get one of them really early, I'll wait. Yeah, Rudolph, um, you know, he's always uh, an athletic playmaker, but it's uh, all, always been, in the last two years anyway, injuries that have kept him out, out of action, and with Teddy Bridgewater there now, with Adrian Peterson back, there should be a good opportunity for him this year, and so, like him and Tyler Eifert, there's well, Eifert in particular, there doesn't seem to be any buzz about this off-season at all, last year he was kind of a lot of talk about him, but sometimes uh, those guys are even going undrafted in the league, so, you know, there's, there's serious value to be had if they do step up to the mark and uh, put up big numbers this season, but uh really and truly that's probably as much as i've uh, written down here to talk about uh, carol <laughs> on the show and uh, we've gone through a lot of different topics uh, i know people tuning in probably to hear you talk some dynasty but uh, talking dynasty is what you do week in week out on dynastyleaguefootball.com and the, the dlf podcast and anyone that's into dynasty football uh, i would highly recommend checking that out carol uh, is one of the guest hosts or one of the co-hosts on that rather and uh it's, it's absolutely fantastic stuff to listen to and really helps you go. and They went through the whole off-season and they'll be continuing through, through the season. Definitely check them out there and, of course, check out DynastyLeagueFootball.com. But it's been a lot of fun uh, having you back on the show and, as always, uh, enjoy talking fantasy football. Thank you very much. I always enjoy talking to you too and it was fun. You're listening to the Overtime Ireland podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. That was Card Savchek. Thanks to Ciarad again for coming on the show. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. It's at Ciarad It's well worth following him. Very interactive with people. Any questions about fantasy football, particularly dynasty football, uh, hit him up there, get get his thoughts. Uh, maybe it's a trade. Maybe it's just something to do with your league in general. Maybe something to to do with your team. Uh, hit him up and he'll, uh, I'm sure, get back to you on that one. Funny story I tweeted out over the last few days on at Overtime Ireland on Twitter, and that was that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, my father works in a a hotel over here uh, in County Donegal, Ireland, and uh, we, uh, a lot of weddings in the hotel, a lot of gatherings. There was quite a number of Americans uh, be drifting in and out of the hotel over over the weeks uh, throughout the year, and uh, he often hands out cards. Uh, we have overtime-Ireland cards here, tells about the website and, of course, the email contact information and so on. He hands them out, says, uh, my sons do uh, an NFL podcast here, and the, a lot of the Americans quite surprised. Uh, but they always say, oh, we'll check it out. We'll check them out on Twitter and so on. And he's uh, talking to a guy uh, at the bar this past uh, week. And he's saying, uh, so here's the American accent, talking to him for two or three minutes. He says, uh, do you watch much uh, American football? And the guy goes, yeah, yeah, I watch a, a lot of American football. I was like, oh, my, my son does a, a podcast uh, for uh, the NFL, talks about the NFL on it. And um, the guy's uh, quite surprised. And then he goes, oh, I actually coached uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. To uh, the Super Bowl in 1990 or 2005, sorry, and uh, of course the man turns out to be none other than Cower former Steelers coach, uh, had a phenomenal record with them, coached him to the Super Bowl, had a career as a player too. A lot of guys uh, that he actually coached at the, were, as, were his assistant coaches at the time have gone on to be head coaches in the NFL. Guys like Bruce Arians up there in Arizona, uh, Dom Capers is now the defensive coordinator with the Packers. He had a couple of head coaching jobs and. Marv Lewis, who's the head coach up uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. So There's a lot of guys that he's, he's coached, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get him on the show in the coming weeks. I've got a few pictures uh, of him with the Super Bowl trophy signed, and uh, I'm, I'm going to give them out as uh, a prize in the upcoming weeks as we head towards that opening game in which the Steelers will be facing off against the Patriots. So uh, a Thursday night game. Stay tuned to the podcast and Twitter for more information. We'll be giving out... Uh, some of those photographs to uh, anyone that's interested in trying to win them over the next few weeks so looking forward to sharing those with you but i thought it was a funny story quite amazing how these things sometimes happen and how contacts through these people can be made it's uh, i thought it was a really funny story when uh, dad was talking back through about it on now to some of the news of the last few days in the nfl and uh, i mentioned that the Steelers played the the vikings in that uh opening game uh, of the pre-season the Hall of Fame game nothing really to get all that excited about uh, the Steelers winning at 14-3 and really that's probably all that can be said about it the Steelers uh, didn't really play any of their first teamers the Vikings started off with a couple of guys Teddy Bridgewater started and didn't stay on for too long so well, not not a lot to report back on that, but uh, the first week of preseason kicking off this week. It's good to have the football back uh, on our screens, and this week now you'll get to see some of your uh, favorite players. Hopefully, in action. Probably only for a quarter or two, but we'll see what happens. Some people sit out altogether, uh, but it, it's really it's really a good time of year to start getting close to the season, and all you want is for your team to get through the preseason playing quite uh, efficiently and hopefully with no injuries uh, of major concern to any other players. So. And just as I talk about that game last night, uh, the the Hall of Fame game not having much significance. Reports just coming across my Twitter feed here that uh, the Steelers fear that Sean Swisum, their kicker, may have torn his ACL in that game. So that would be a major blow for them because he is very very reliable kicking for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last few years, and would be a blow to the team. It uh, hopefully hopefully it's not as bad as far as feared, but it's not looking good for Swisum and the Steelers on that on that front. Another guy that tore an ACL. Obviously, knee ligament injuries are quite common in the NFL, but a lot of hitting going on just to start off the preseason and body's getting used to it. But uh, Eagles cornerback Ja'Cory Shepard suffered a torn ACL as well. And, uh, you know, they recently traded Branton Boykin, so it's, you know, it's a tough one for them to take because he's now with the Steelers who played last night in that Hall of Fame game. So he a uh, sideline collision with running back Darren Sproles and it's going to be it's gonna be a tough one and uh, it's going to be their 2004... Th- 2014 fourth round pick looks to be the guy uh, who's going to step up in his place while he's out it's Jalen Watkins and you know when you're getting guys uh, dropping down like this it's all about next man up and hopefully the next man can do equally as good a job uh, sometimes it works for you sometimes it doesn't and um, it's a tough blow there for the Philadelphia Eagles especially so shortly after trading away Branton Boykin and last but not least on the injuries uh, coming through the last week LeGarrette Blount has a, an MCL sprain another knee ligament injury um, looks like it's not going to uh, hold him out all that long of course he is suspended for the week one game but probably hold him out of the next uh, two or three weeks off the pre-season which isn't good obviously he failed a conditioning test last week but um, everything since that has seemed to be going all right up until this injury so uh, week two is when he's uh, eligible to return um, after his suspension so i think we'll see him uh, back then ready to go and uh, you know the patriots have kind of a uh, a strange situation in the backfield after losing Ridley and Vereen in free agency they have Jonas Gray they have Branton Bolden James White Travis Cadet Dion Lewis and it's it's going to give them a little bit more time to get more snaps in the in the pre-season and in the training camp but it's uh behind uh behind LeGarrette Blount it remains to be seen who will be the next in line the Hall of Fame was on this past weekend and uh, Great to see some of the stories shared about some of the past players making it in. Jerome Bettis went in this year. Uh, Junior Seau went in, unfortunately. uh, We all know the circumstances uh, surrounding surrounding his death. Very, very sad. And uh, definitely, as a player, definitely deserved to go in. Terrific career. And uh, a lot of guys that went in along with him. Tim Brown went in. Charles Haley, Bill Polian, Will Shields. Mike Tinglehoff and uh, Ron Wolf of the Green Bay Packers and uh, I was delighted as a Packers fan to see Ron Wolf going in and then the Packers had their family night uh, down at Lambeau Field the night after so it was a good uh, celebration and uh, definitely as a, as a you know, contributor to the, the Packers organisation uh, one, one of the most important to ever go through the doors at Lambeau Field. Talk this week uh, from Arthur Blank off the Atlanta Falcons hoping to, to move swiftly and get a deal done for Julio Jones. I was talking last week to uh, Chris Trapasso about some of the contract situations coming into this season. And I think that you know a guy like Julio Jones, if he goes out and really blows it up this year, he's had phenomenal seasons really basically since he came into the league apart from the year where he was injured two seasons ago. Phenomenal, phenomenal wide receiver up there in the top five without any shadow of a doubt in my opinion. Uh, and they, they really should try and get him locked down before the season, because I, I have a feeling he's going to have a big, big year this year at the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, you know they're they're moving to try and get him signed to a long-term extension. We've seen the deal signed recently for Dez Bryant, for uh, Demarius Thomas, and I think a guy like this here, a guy like AJ Green as well at Cincinnati, get them locked down before the season, because I'm expecting big things from them in 2015. A guy who has got locked down to a long-term extension, a five-year deal that is, and it is... Levante David off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 52.25 million uh, in this extension, 25.56 of it guaranteed. So almost basically half of it uh, fully guaranteed for him, and uh, he, he's been terrific over the last couple of seasons. Uh, very very key to their defense with Lovie Smith down there, really one of the key parts of it. And then you have Gerald McCoy up front. Trying to get at the uh, stop the run, get at the the quarterback. So he's he's a key piece there, and um, you know thoroughly deserved a second round pick back in 2012. He was one of the the most underrated players in the team. He was due to enter that final year of his rookie contract, but he's got it uh, he's got it sealed up. And another player, you know, in a similar position, that made a, a deal just a, a few days before it, just a little bit less. Uh, DeAndre Levy off the Detroit Lions. He got 33.72 million. And that makes him. The second highest uh, 4-3 linebacker now after the first highest paid one is David after this one. So big, big contracts being handed around this last week and people trying to get their players locked down. Of course, with the salary cap going up over the last few years and it'll continue to go up in the next few years, these contracts are going to get bigger and bigger. And the biggest contract of all, I think, that's going to be handed out after it's all said and done, Probably uh, this time next year is likely to be that Andrew Luck contract, which uh, the figures and that will probably make us all dizzy when we read them. But uh, good moves there for the teams uh, settling down on you know what they want to be their key franchise players uh, for, for the next number of years. So uh, good news for Bucks and Lions fans there with those contracts. And I'm sure the Falcons will be hoping to get some good news if they can lock down Julio Jones in the near future. So... After after going through the NFL news, just a bit of news that uh, I meant to say towards the start of the show, I talked with the Aussie guys NFL podcast. Uh, I know we have some listeners, a crossover listeners to both shows, and i talked to them about the Green Bay Packers. Recapped a bit of last season, looked ahead towards this season. So I, I kind of tried to go as in depth uh, into the Packers there, and hopefully, if you're a Packers fan, listen to the show. Um, hopefully, you go over and check that out. Hopefully, you enjoy it and. As well they uh, have been recapping for the last number of weeks uh, all the teams and previewing all the teams for the upcoming season. So if you want to check out your team uh, check them out on Twitter it's at AussieGuysNFL. Good group of guys and as I, as I mentioned um, on previous show I'm heading down to Australia in a couple of weeks. I'll be going down there for around 10 months. So heading on down and hopefully I'll meet up with those guys down there for a beer and watch some NFL games as well. So uh, it was fun to, to kind of Talk to them now, and hopefully the next time we talk to them will be face-to-face down in uh, Melbourne, down, down under in Australia. Also this week, the IAFA Shamrock Bowl took place in Dublin in Dalymount Park, and uh, a big win for the Belfast Trojans, making it four wins in a row for them. That's four national titles uh, in the American Football League. Absolutely uh, phenomenal team over the last couple of years, and they were really dominant this season. It was a tough loss in it for Trinity College, Dublin. Um, you know They had a great season as well, but... I know uh, I might be biased because I played against the Trojans this year as well. It's uh, They're an absolutely phenomenal team, good organization, and uh, four in a row is a, an unbelievable achievement, and I'm sure Trent will be back next season to try and get back all the way to the Shamrock Bowl and uh, take that title back. So uh, good, good uh, season all around for the IFA. Uh, grew ex- a lot over this last season, a lot of new rookie teams coming in, a lot of, of the senior teams uh, going from strength to strength, and... Uh, looking forward to seeing how it continues to develop if you're interested in playing in the irish american football association league uh, if you're living in ireland a lot a lot of teams based throughout the country more and more springing up each and every season so check out at ifa ireland uh, on twitter and they'll be able to hook you up with the team in your locality so that there's just a little bit to finish out this season in the uh, the irish league and uh, well done to the trojans as i mentioned congratulations to all the players uh, from all the teams around uh, who who took part this season, a lot of effort put in, a lot of physical uh, physicality put in, and uh, at the end of it, uh, most of the guys still uh, get up talking, uh, respect each other after it, so that's what it's all about. And with that, it's another show in the books for me. Um, of course, I'm Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter, it's at the Colin Kelly, Carl Safchek, which our guest from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Carl Safchek, and until I'm back... With another show and of course stay tuned to the At Overtime Ireland Twitter feed Give us a written and a comment as I keep saying On iTunes, Stitcher, and whatever you're listening to it on Spread the word, let your friends know Tell a friend to tell a friend and keep This thing moving up and uh, onward So until then when I'm back Have a good one Thank you for listening To the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast Please follow
0: us on Twitter At Overtime Ireland Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.